morning, I'm Frank Powers, and this is Lifestyle Tucson, the program where I speak to our neighbors, the people behind the scenes of our amazing organizations, small businesses, and nonprofits. Our friends are informing you how they serve our community, and they are here to give you updates on future projects. Let's make some old friends today. Now you might pass them on the street with your eyes down, refusing to meet the gaze of the man on the corner begging for money. Perhaps you feel something like compassion, but not enough to bring you to action can be an uneasy moment because most of us don't know what to do. There can be fear in approaching someone on the street, and sometimes it's just easier to ignore them than to act. Did you know that only 18% of homeless are considered chronically homeless? For the rest, their situation is only temporary. And it's only temporary because of people that I'm going to talk to today. And I'm fortunate to speak with Lisa Chastain, CEO of Gospel Rescue Mission. Lisa, welcome back to Lifestyle Tucson. Thank you, Frank. It's good to be with you. I appreciate having you back. Uh, Everything I just read is directly from your website. I didn't make that up because it was so well written and it's exactly what you're all about. And I do want to focus on homelessness today. We've talked in the past. You can find that episode of Lifestyle Tucson with the Gospel Rescue Mission on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that stuff. Worth listening to the 101 of what your organization is all about. Today, let's focus a little bit on homelessness and what your organization's mission is when it comes to fighting homelessness. So what I just learned is that only 18% of homeless are considered chronically homeless. So I want to talk about what that means, what it means to be chronically homeless, because a lot of them are temporary. It sounds like a low number, which is good. It gives me a little bit of hope. Yeah, so it depends on your definition. A lot of people have a different definition of what chronically homeless Uh, really means. Uh, Usually it's tied to a statistic and data Mm -hmm. related, Um, but certainly anybody who's on the street for a long period of time is chronically homeless, in our opinion. Uh, Anybody on the street, period, could be considered chronically homeless. Um, But Tucson is a transient city for homelessness. You know, we do collect the data information from people if they're new to Tucson or if they've been here for long periods of time. And we have both, frankly. Uh, We have both that are there. Um, But we do see a lot of transient people through Tucson because of our weather. Not this time of year, of course. (laughs) (laughs) But um, for the most part of year, you know, we can you can live outside for, you know, a good eight months out of the year. And um, it's a great place to live outdoors if that's your choice. But we want to see people off the streets and um, and success- successfully living their lives. Yeah, I mean, that's the truth. Because a lot of people, when we talk about homelessness, you might not realize that some people it is. It's just temporary. It's a transitional moment. It's a single mom that might have to sleep in her car yeah. just for a little bit. You're trying to help her. You're trying to help people that are in between jobs. Right. People that are living paycheck to paycheck where a disturbance in that can really knock down a lot of things that in their lives. Sure. So helping people in both situations is what your guys are doing. And it, it's really important. I have a list of the five, uh, the top five reasons for homelessness. And let's just dissect some of them, mm-hmm. right? So lack of affordable housing is one of them. Tell me about sure. some of the problem with housing that people are dealing with. Yeah, and you hear that all the time. You know, lack of affordable housing. We need more affordable housing Well, that certainly relates to people who are subsidized, right? Mm -hmm. So those that need assistance with uh, with paying for their rent, uh, Section 8 housing, et cetera. 
uh, and we do have a hundred of those Section Eight housing units on the campus of the Center of Opportunity. Um, but that is not the answer. That's not the sole answer to the homelessness crisis in Tucson. Uh, a lot of the people that we get in housing after they leave our program, only 50% of them are subsidized. Okay. So once somebody is able to um, to uh, get gainful employment, uh, that they most likely can pay a rent, you know, but we're giving them the tools on not just getting a job, but how do you keep your job? Yes. How do you make it a career? How do you promote, get a promotion in your job so that you can actually uh, end poverty in your life. What would that look like? Well, that would change generations of, uh, you know, from from if you make that kind of change in your life. Uh, so affordable housing certainly has something to do with it, but not entirely. Right. Poverty was the next listed reason. What is sure. the difference to you between poverty and just the lack of affordable housing? Because both those just sound like money troubles. Sure, it is. You know, poverty is money troubles, right? Tucson, what is it, like 24? $5,000 around that is the low, the level of uh, poverty line. And if you have a household that's making less than that, you are living under the poverty line. Cons- uh, consider yourself in poverty. Um, Uh-oh. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I better get right? more gigs. <laughs> um, so, uh, but it, again, it's a statistic. It's tied to a statistic. But, you know, certainly anybody who can't make their ends meet mm-hmm. uh, probably needs to look at other al- alternatives. Um, so, like I said, we, we see a lot of people, obviously, homelessness, um, there is uh, a correlation with poverty. Yeah. Um, and so we deal with both of those issues. We deal with all five that you're going to mention. But poverty is a huge par- part of, of, of why people find themselves homeless. Yeah. Uh, and the next one is unemployment, which, again, just leads to financial right. things. Look, money is the problem a lot for us all. Even in my own life, uh, sometimes I feel depressed. It turns out, oh, no, that's when uh, I'm running out of cash. Other times in my life, I'm like, wow, I don't have any emotional problems. Oh, it's because I'm gainfully employed. (laughs) We all just went through a long period where we lost our jobs. We lost our gigs. We lost a lot of our foundation. And it rattled us quite a bit. And that was a big part of it. So money obviously affects a lot. But then it's the other two things that with mental illness and substance abuse, these are probably the biggest obstacles to overcome, I imagine. Huge. 80% of the people that we see come through our doors are homeless because of substance abuse and mental illness, and most of the time both. Um, So that is the core of what we do. That is the core of what treatment we have at the Center of Opportunity and the resources at Gospel Rescue Mission to try to give people the tools that they need to overcome those addictions. You know, we have an addiction recovery program at uh, Gospel Rescue Mission that's a year-long program. Mm-hmm. It's no joke, you know. It's uh, it's it's a commitment, uh, but we believe, you know, the 30, 60, 90-day programs really is not enough time to teach somebody the tools and give them a chance to neurologically heal. Um, so to have a year-long process, you know, for the first Two months, we call it our stabilization period. Sure. They don't even have a clear thought. You know, it depends on how long somebody is used and what their substance uh, use disorder is. Um, but, you know, they need a time where they're just in a safe environment where it takes all the pressures off so that they can even have a clear thought mm-hmm. uh, before we start to get them in programming and classes and all of those resources that they need. And then after they're done with uh, addiction recovery program, 
uh, then we need to help them find a job and get them in housing. So uh, so they could be with us anywhere from, you know, 12 to 18 months. I saw that. And that is a huge commitment. Again, what are they? there's a psychological thing that it takes. I think it's like six weeks to have a new habit, right? Yeah. To like make a new thing. If you're trying to work out every day, if you fall off, you break the chain within the first three weeks, four weeks, you're not going to stick with it. After six weeks, things become a pattern in your life. And sticking That's with right. it is a big part of it. Also, the time that they spend there with you, one one thing, and it's a the theme of this show, but one thing I, I did see on your site is they make new friendships. Yeah. And that's a big part of anyone in any version of recovery because you do have to kind of, in a way, get away from the bad influences right. and have your own strength. Others can pick you up, but others can drag you down. That's right. And that's a big part of it. So having that time to really rebuild a brand new life, brand new relationships, friendships, gaining new skills so that you yeah. can move forward step it's, by step. It's, it's important. community. Yes. We all need it. We were built for it. You know, and as soon as you separate yourself from community, we see it all the time. People might come through our doors. They might go through the recovery program. And when they leave, they uh, isolate themselves from the community that they knew and they relapse, yeah. you know, because we all need each other uh, to uh, to have those strong interpersonal relationships that keep us healthy. Did you know that actually this year uh, the Surgeon General listed like loneliness is one of the number one epidemics that uh, we're all facing together? And I believe it. Yeah, look at what COVID did. We saw a spike in our um, guests that were struggling from mental health as well as addiction because of isolation, because of loneliness, because of COVID isolated us. I think that's why we come on the other side of COVID so unhealthy and starving for relationships and starving for that community because we were so isolated. It's true. And I even see it in younger folks, COVID aside, just in certain like genres of fandom like because i'm friends with a lot of young folks i do a lot of things in the video game community you hear how toxic it can be it's hard to even make friends in your communities because of the online presence that comes with all yeah. the hate that's on there that it's yep. so hard and then i meet a lot of kids i meet a lot of younger folks and they do have a lot of these social anxiety disorders from being the generation that grow up with social media we are now seeing it it's 2023 we're seeing the results of what it is for these kids that are unable to uh, adapt is really what it is and gain the social skills that one needs to really be successful. Yeah. I see absolutely. it all the time. But let's stop talking about the problems and let's start talking about the solutions. You've mentioned the Center for Opportunity and you have five programs. So let's go through some of the things I want to go through right now, right? It says the first one is shelter and the eligibility and intake. So shelter guests must be sober and not using any illegal substances. That obviously makes a lot of sense across the board for any organization like yours. Guests are accepted based on bed availability and without discrimination, and your shelter's wheelchair accessible. However, shelter guests must be able to get around and take care of their basic needs and do all that stuff. But you welcome people, and intake is 8 a.m. on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. So that's a Thank big you, way Frank. that you're helping people out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, and it's important for people to know that we're open to all people. You know, just because gospel is in our name, mm -hmm. we get a little bit typecasted with, oh, well, what do they do? You know, they only serve, you know, the people of faith. They're absolutely not. You know, we, we are a faith-based organization, but we open our doors to anybody that has a need. And to address some of those things that you said, Frank, yes, we are a sober uh, campus for sure for the safety 
of our population, the safety of our employees, the safety of our volunteers. However, if somebody comes to us and they're under the influence, don't think we stop there. You know, we will send them to detox like Mm. like we will drive them or detox comes and picks them up. And we hold a bed, you know, for 24, 48, 72 hours, however long they're in detox so that they have a place to come, you know, post detox. So um, so we try not to turn anybody away without a solution. You know, if we're not the best place for them, we are for sure going to find a place for them to go um, because, you know, asking for help is is a very humbling thing to do mm-hmm. and we take it very seriously to say hey this might be the only time somebody comes to us and asks for help so we, to turn somebody away in that state they might not ask, ask ever ask for help again that's really important because i never thought about what what is the next step if someone does show up and they're unable to be helped you are going to get them the help that they still need from detox, from someone picking them up, you even dropping them off. That's incredible. Absolutely. And if somebody is, you know, SMI, seriously mentally ill to where they're manic, where we can't bring them in, we will send them to, you know, crisis response center, get them stabilized and bring them back. Um, so, so the fact that we don't accept all people, but let me tell you, we get people the help that they need. Mm-hmm. It's never a turn away. Oh, I'm sorry. I hope you know, ha- good luck. Yeah, good, lo- good luck yeah. out there. Right. Um, so that's why we're connected with so many, all the organizations in town that deal with the level of, uh, trauma and critical care that we see, uh, from our guests. And if we're not the right place, we'll find them the right place. That's super important. That's part of that recovery, and that's another one of these uh, five things listed. The next is employment, and that's what we talked about, that you might be able to help them get their high school diploma. Taking classes in life skills, development, and computer literacy so important. All right, I know some mm-hmm. non-homeless folks that need some <laughs> right? of that. All right? But learning how to write a resume and how to nail an interview. These, again, yeah. skills that I know plenty of people sitting around too spoiled to realize that they got to work on themselves, work on what they do when they are presenting themselves to others to be a professional. Right. So, you know, we'll take those one uh, one category at a time. But if somebody comes to us and they have not completed high school, right, that's a barrier for them to get employment. Let's just be honest. Uh, So the cool thing about the partner that we have in our education, which is called Smart Schools, is that um, we don't give them an opportunity to get their GED because there is a stigma attached to a GED, right? In every single employment form, you see, oh, high school diploma or GED. Well, let's take you out of the GED category. And we have um, educational advancement through Smart Schools that actually gives somebody their high school diploma. So how great is that? We take the stigma away from GED. They can continue to get their high school um, diploma, and then they go into workforce development. So what does that look like? That goes uh, everything from, uh, from job resume to teaching somebody how to search for a job. And we have two levels of workforce development. We can get people the help to get into jobs with the skill set and the experience that they come to us with. Mm-hmm. Or this is great due to a year-long partnership that we've had with Pima Community College. We can actually get people job training uh, in the fields of IT, construction-related jobs, as well as a CDL driver's license in culinary. Wow, wow. So they get a rapid certification, what we call it, uh, to get a higher-paying job. So they're no longer getting into an entry-level position at some of these fields. They can go you know, a step above. 
And again, that lends to getting people out of poverty if they can get higher paying jobs. Yeah, that CDL is huge. And honestly, anytime I see anyone where they're offering the culinary help to mm-hmm. get these folks into kitchens and get them into restaurants and food service, it's such a rewarding job and career. And right. it's very it can be very creative. Uh, sure. I was, I have I've talked to Gap Ministries and they have a kitchen where they train and you can become right. a chef. Yep. And it's so impressive how you can do that. And right. the people I've met uh, in the service industry with this is they're the best people. And you will then find again that community because when you work in kitchens and you work in restaurants, you are in the trenches as we call it. You are. And yes. You make a lot of friends <laughs> doing it. So it's a great not just a job, it's a career. Absolutely. And we, um, you know, let me just tout our horn a little bit and say that we've put almost a thousand people in brand new jobs in the last two years. That's remarkable. A thousand people. Think about the the stimulation in the econ- economy that ac- that actually provides. Uh, but as to culinary, you know, we run a kitchen that does 700 meals a day. So we're bigger than Incredible. almost a lot of restaurants here in town. Uh, so we certainly know the trade of culinary. And, you know, um, the the uh, kitchen, um, let's just say the back of the house mm-hmm. uh, providers in the restaurant business is not always the healthiest environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we try to teach that and, you know, giving people uh, to be extraordinary in their value system and whatnot so they can be uh, exceptional employees. Yep. Yep. Get them on their career paths and get them feeling pride in what they do. No one right. no one wants to do a job. Jobs stink. But right. a career is something that you can base who you are, your identity. And I think that's important for some of these folks is gaining a sense of identity. Because to be able to proudly say with a business card, I'm a chef, you know, yeah. or to say that I have I have now gone through this program and now I got, I've gone back and I help others and they themselves work for the organization with a business card that says who they are and what they do. There's a great sense of pride in that. Absolutely. I've always felt it, too. When you go from a job to a career, mm-hmm. a sense of self-worth is something that I think is always going to fuel you to keep yourself off the street and sure. keep yourself healthy, keep yourself in healthy relationships, keep yourself even fit, because when you believe in yourself you can really, I think that's the first thing you got to believe in, Yes, you know, if not God in general, right? Mm -hmm. Let me ask you that. Do you believe in yourself or do you believe in God first? Well, for, I can speak to that personally. Uh, For sure, I believe in God first, Okay. Um, you know, which gives me the ability to believe in myself because uh, that I was created in his own image. Ah, there it Uh, is. So the the chicken and the egg says. Yeah, and the Holy Um, Spirit's mixed in there too. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so that fuels everything I do, yeah. you know, it just fuels everything I do, gives me purpose, uh, gives me the desire to help others, gives me compassion for those that are struggling, uh, gives me the, uh, hopefully I can provide hope for those that are struggling for them to get through what they're going through. So it is at the center and the core of everything I do. I mean, I'll jump ahead even. The next two things were uh, were housing, which we talked about, and a bit of outreach. And let's that's what we're talking about now. But let's talk about what you just talked about. Do you hear how uh, happy Lisa is, <laughs> right? Do you hear how fulfilled you can get from, again, being kind and helping? Uh, you should. And if you're missing that in your life, again, you don't, don't uh, make people do the things you want to do. Find people doing the things that you want to do. So volunteer. Because that's what the Gospel Rescue Mission is all about. How can people volunteer and be a part of what you're doing to help some of these folks, but also perhaps help themselves? 
Sure. You know, there is a rule of volunteering, right? You go initially to think you're going to help somebody, and in return, you're the one that gets the blessing out of it, way more so than the individual that you're helping. So, you know, I believe that volunteering and helping others is a core foundation of everything that we should all do. Um, every time I hear from my friends and they're having a bad day, I'm just like, you need to go volunteer at a soup kitchen. Things yep. can be way worse, right? <laughs> yep. So it gives you perspective. It does. It gives you perspective, and therefore you can live that more fulfilling life. But volunteer, volunteerism is a huge part of what we do. You know, we have about three 300 volunteers a week come and give of their special, precious time uh, to give back to the work that we do. And uh, we're so grateful for those volunteers. And, you know, it's not a huge commitment. You can come one time yep. or you can come every single day, you know, for the whole year. You can come for our events. Our biggest volunteer uh, effort that everybody loves to start with is serving meals. Okay. Uh, so we serve, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day. And the cool thing about what we do at the Center of Opportunity is our core values are love, grace, dignity, and respect. So how are we going to show people that in everything we do? Well, one part is in the dining room where they don't have to go through a meal line or a chow line or a buffet line, but they actually come and have a seat at the table, restaurant style, and all the meals are served by volunteers. Well, that's impressive. So isn't that amazing? And it was a lofty goal when we moved in, but thank God, you know, in the four years we've been open, we haven't missed one single meal of service. And that's all done through our incredible volunteers. And so that way they get to serve, but they also get to build relationships with the people that we serve. That's incredible. I mean, how about literally serving them meals? That's fantastic. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you can't donate your time, remember you could donate money and you can use those tax credits. Use that Arizona tax credit as a donation. Make sure you don't forget to do that. Always good to do. Now, I want to talk about other ways that people can help. And that's when they are, in fact, like face to face with a homeless person because mm-hmm. you have a little list of things to do and I want to go over it with you. Mm-hmm. And one way is it's more like Q&A. What do I do if someone in the streets asks me for money? So it's in your nature to help those in need and giving a few dollars is certainly a quick and easy way to do that. But instead of giving them, instead of giving money, we recommend that you offer one of our invitation cards. So I printed one of those out and this is something that I've thought about since starting this show is that I do drive past homeless people. And then every week I'm talking to, you know, Gospel Rescue Mission and Gap Ministries and all these great organizations, you know, Teen the Teen Challenge, mm-hmm. all these great organizations that are out there helping homeless people. And I wonder, I'm like, does this person know about this? Does this person know about this? And I'm almost like, I want to make a note that says, hey, I, I interview a lot of these people. You should hear <laughs> about these organizations and, and give it to them with a bottle of water or with a dollar. And then on your website, you have that note. You have an invitation with a map and all the all the um, uh, contact information services. Mm-hmm. I think that that's incredible. And I, I invite anyone listening to go to your website and go print out that invitation. Keep them in your car. And you might be able to help someone just by letting them know that this exists. Absolutely. You know, we... Um, we want to give the ultimate help, right? So uh, so somebody in their time of need, you know, we say, hey, and a lot of our incredible donors and supporters carry, you know, bags in their car with a bottle of water and this time of year sunscreen and mm-hmm. chapstick and granola bars, and they just drop the invitation card in there. So they have everything together, you know, and give somebody, you know, the immediate help that they need mm-hmm. as well as, you know, the long-term help. 
So, uh, so like Frank said, you can go to our website, grmtucson.com, and print those out, or you can call our office, and we'll send them to you through the mail. Oh, really? Yeah, so the cool thing, other thing, that Frank, that I want to mention is Pima County, and you might have seen it, but they put these signs up all in Pima County that say, so, say no to panhandling, but say yes to helping agencies serving those in need. So I'm so grateful for that because that really is the, the, where the rubber meets the road uh-huh. and where people can really get the most help is through the agencies that help the homeless. So I'm appreciative to the county that they're recognizing uh, that uh, that we have a little bit of a panhandling crisis and the money could go to uh, better useful resources. It absolutely can. It absolutely can. And there are other things to give because just like you're saying, I never thought to give chapstick, sunscreen, bottle of water, granola bars. That's really good. I'm going to give a shout out to my friend Lizzie Mead. She does this. She has silver seed jewelry. She's always taking care of homeless people's pets. She will walk into the parks. She will just give a little wave, stay a distance and just put a Ziploc bag of things down because some people, you don't have to engage. They don't want to be engaged. Mm -hmm. It is about safety. And feeling sure. safe for everybody involved. Absolutely. So that's another way to do it is is doing that and dropping those invitation cards right in there. Because I always talk about this with my own small business and with anything, even Lifestyle Tucson. Word of mouth is the only way I will be successful. And word of mouth, you got to imagine, affects the homeless population because they ain't exactly tuning into the television to watch a commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Right? How are they going to hear about things? underground network. Yes. How are they going to hear about things? Well, you never know. You might give something to one homeless person, and that person might be quite a charismatic individual, and they might get 12 <laughs> of their associates right. to your organization because that's how it works. If you can help a figurehead in any community, they might be able to help the others in their community. For sure. And, you know, the heat is as unbearable as it is. It is an incentive for people to, you know, get out of the heat and seek shelter. So right now we have about 300 people that are with us right now. I'm grateful for that. That means there's not 300 people on the streets, you know, suffering through the heat. Yeah. Um, so we are a cooling station. I know we're not on all the advertisement, but <laughs> um, but certainly anybody can come to us with no obligation and get in an AC and get the water and the meals and everything that they need just to escape the heat. Well, that's what you got to do. And also, the easiest way to do that is just go visit them, right? right. They're at 4550 South Palo Verde Road in Tucson. And she gave you that website. I'll give it to you again when I do a little bit of a recap as well as the phone number. Because today we made friends with Lisa Chastain, CEO of Gospel Rescue Mission, helping save lives every day through hope, shelter, transformation. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lisa. Thank you, Frank. I really appreciate you putting a spotlight on the great work that's being done in Tucson. Hey. Thanks for doing it. This was Lifestyle Tucson. Bing bong bing. Time for a recap. I really enjoy talking to the Gospel Rescue Mission. It's nice to talk to people that are doing the things that we all need to be doing. That's helping each other out, right? We all talk a big game. But uh, there's a lot of ways to help. One of the ways Lisa reminded me of that she didn't really get to say was outreach. We kind of jumped over that. And that means that if you have stuff that you can donate, Stuff like clothing, hygiene products, baby products, dishware, stuff like that. Even flat screen TVs, they'll take them. They don't want your old box tubes, though. You can hang on to those. And make sure that you do that by just dropping them off over at 4550 South Palo Verde Road in Tucson. You can go get all the details over at grmtucson.com or give them a call at 520-740-1501. I want to thank our friends at gospel rescue mission for joining me today you've been listening to lifestyle tucson 
If you're a nonprofit that would like to be on the show, email lifestyletucson at gmail.com. For more information about this program or to listen to something you may have missed, go to the Sunday Mornings page on klpx.com, kfma.com, mixfm.com, or espntucson.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and Audible, or wherever fine podcasts are donated. Follow on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Lifestyle Tucson because I'm your BFF, Frank Powers. Toot toot Tucson, I love you the most. <laughs>